Well, thank you everybody for being here. Again, happy uh, Father's Day. <sighs> I kind of, before I even start, I just want to start out with Ephesians six twelve, and it says it tells us right there, and and I say this to remind myself, and I'm encouraging you to come alongside me in this is. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. I already told you kind of the theme is biblical masculinity, femininity, kind of the biblical roles of our gender and things of that. And that is a hot, hot topic, especially these days. And... I mean, again, I'm not infallible in this. I just want to remind us as a body of believers, as a church, as a people, I want to remind myself that we always have to be in that state. And this is, at least for me, a rough one, is that as we feel attacked, we have to remember that the world hated Jesus first. And Jesus' response was not to hate back. That's our exemplar, right? He even told us, the world hated me first. He's going to hate you even more for loving me. So as we walk this out, we said we're going to receive it and we're going to walk it out. Then the world's going to come against that. And the world's going to hate that. And the world's going to do everything it can to get us to shut our mouths. Or get angry and respond in a bad manner that is a bad example of Jesus, right? That drives even more people away from Christ because we respond in a human manner to human assault. Yeah? by a world that has already declared, that we know, we know this is coming. This is not to strike out fear, this is just to say, hey, be prepared for this, so that we can do things like read our Bible and pray and put on the armor and step out wisely and smartly and courageously, knowing that we will be shot at. Knowing it. If you know it, then you're prepared for it. At least it won't be a surprise. And knowing that our response is to be a Christ response. Again, I tell you this knowing, come alongside me in this because I'm with you in this because this is probably one of my biggest struggles, is responding well. I just put an interesting note in here that Father's Day is also during Pride Month. And I can tell you for me it's been a rough month because you're bombarded and bombarded and bombarded. And I have to remember, and I want us to remember, that I go back to Ephesians. At least I have to come back to Ephesians and say, who is our enemy? Those that are trapped and blinded by sin? No, that's not our enemy. That's actually our treasure. Those are people that Jesus died for. Our enemy is the enemy's... Well, I'm going to reread it. I need that reminding again. Is not flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I was watching some videos, and here's a little side note, too. I was looking at my phone, and it came up with that. Congratulations, your screen time has went down by 12% this week. And I was like, that's awesome, right? Because I'd like to tell you that I'm always watching videos about Jesus and stuff. And I do quite a bit, but not all the time, not nearly enough. So I know my screen time is not good. (laughs) It's feeding me all the stuff that's coming out of the world, too, just like everybody else. But it said, congratulations, it's down by 12% for an average of six hours and some odd minutes a day. (laughs) A day. 
I was like, how did that happen? That's my phone screen time. So I'm like, how did this even happen? Uh, that's just me. I don't know what your screen time is. But I was blown away by that. <clears throat> so I was watching a video, though. and At least some of that screen time was watching this guy named uh, Vody Bakum, which I agree and disagree with him here and there, but he loves Jesus and... Um, and he had said something, I'm going to paraphrase here, and I kind of added some other stuff so it's not all him and it's not all me. I just want to give credit where credit's due. But he had said something, I really like the way he said it. He said, before you were regenerated. So to me, I envisioned that already. God gave me that imagery of that cold lump of coal. Dead coal. Before you were regenerated. The devil knew your name, and you knew his voice. That seems kind of scary, right? I was like, ooh, I don't like that, but it's legit. You know, dead in my sin. The devil totally knew my name, and I was all about him, and I knew his voice and followed it perfectly. The devil knew your name, and you knew his voice. You were convinced that he loved you, and you loved the world because it gave you everything that your flesh desired. I can remember that. I could see somebody coming against that saying, I don't like this life. There's violence, there's hostility, there's anger. There's... And, and to me, I would say my flesh, reveled, my flesh reveled in all of that. Even in the suffering, even in the pain. Inflicting it, getting hostile about it, getting warlike about it, being prideful in it, seeking for the pleasures of the flesh. They're all out there in the world for us. More so and more so every day. But being dead in my sin, I was all about it. You were of the world and the world was of you. Dust without the breath of life and spiritually dead. I imagine in Genesis where God tells us how he formed man out of the dust and then they blew life into his lungs. Yeah? And I imagine a man made of dust without the life, without the spirit, without the breath of life. And I was just kind of imagining, what does that look like? What does that man look like? He looks like a zombie. He looks like a dead man walking around. <laughs> All flesh and emotions and feelings with no spirit. It goes back to when God came and gave us this, quite a few messages about the desires of the flesh are actually godly things. But outside of the guidance and the governing body and the leadership of the spirit, they're all perverted, distorted, and wrong. Everything good can be made, be made bad without the Holy Spirit. The devil doesn't create anything. God creates. He is the creator. He's the only creator. The devil can just pervert and distort and lie. And outside of the Holy Spirit, we're completely susceptible, if not openly welcoming, of all the lies and all the distortions and all the perversions of all those once good things. I know this is all going down. This is a general statement about just general sin overall. <clears throat> we were allied, aligned, comfortable, and at peace with sin. I put on here a little side note. Even after the ember is in place and we're brought from death to life, we can still, in that moment, kind of 
try and hold on to our sin. I had that imagery of the coal right now. It's kind of changed it. The coal's all around and there's this little ember in the middle that's that glowing little Holy Spirit that's been imparted into us. Now, it's a totally different creation because from death to life, that's pretty drastic, but it still looks black and charred and cold on the outside, right? And it has two options there. It can be quenched and, and, and pushed down and resisted, or it can be blown and fanned into flames. And we, had, we were watching the movie called the, the, um, the Game Plan. My wife and I were watching it. We both started laughing at this one moment where, and I don't even know why it came until this morning and kind of came in this context, is that um, The Rock, you know, he's big, bad, and tough and everything, and he's got this little girl. Have you guys familiar with it? Maybe you're not. It's a pretty funny movie. But anyway, he's got this little daughter, and she's messing up his bachelor awesome superstar football life by being a kid and doing kid things. And he said, that's my stereo. That's my radio. That's my TV. That's my This is my towel. Mine, mine. And started crying a little bit, and we started laughing. <laughs> and just this morning, it kind of came back to me and made me laugh as I was thinking about you know, God has imparted his Holy Spirit and brought us from death to life and we still have this coal and we got to give all these things to him. He even says, it's nothing sacred as he's holding his towel and crying about his apartment and stuff like that. And it makes me think, do we ever in our lives say, it's nothing sacred. Why can't I keep this? You can have everything else, but why can't I keep this? And it comes back to knowing there is power in the name of Jesus. That he has a good and perfect plan. That his ways are true and his ways are straight. And if I give them all to him, he can turn those terrible, perverted, distorted, terrible, bad things and turn them for his glory. He can turn them around to have eternal value instead of temporary flesh value, which is meaningless. So what's the whole point of this? Is that in the end, ultimately sin is rebellion against God. It's about throwing away God's plan and design for us because we think we know better. It brings me back to Adam and Eve. I know I always revert that around, but I place it all on Adam, the spiritual leader of his family. Right? I'm going back to biblical manhood, biblical masculinity. And what happened in that moment? This has nothing to do with women are lower or higher or this and that. When God created mankind, Genesis 5, 1 through 2, he said, when God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He made them in the likeness of God. He made them both in the likeness of God. Both. That's a big statement for equality. We want to say equal rights and equal this and equal that. There's ultimate equality stemming straight from creation right there. He created them in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them. Both, right? And he named them mankind when they were created. That's pretty cool. And it says something pretty profound to me. It says that he had a plan and a purpose in his design. <clears throat> and there's a whole long litany of me talking about biblical femininity and the critical value it has. And I know I'm stating this kind of like a, hey, be careful, I'm talking about masculinity today. Please, ladies, don't take this out of context. Wait till next week, <laughs> you know? I'm just talking about men because it happens to be Father's Day, and God put it on my heart to talk about biblical masculinity today, okay? 
But there is some critical, in fact, absolutely critical value to masculinity and femininity, femininity in the family, to our society, and to our relationship to God. Clearly in the Bible. <clears throat> Every time man departs from God's plan to follow his own desires, it leads to chaos. We were designed to fulfill different critical and interdependent roles as we relate to each other, to society, and most importantly, to God. These differences are much more than physical differences. In fact, there are slightly built men and physically strong women that have not rejected God's plan and purpose for their lives. And, of course, the opposite is also true. There are manly, tough guys that are walking away from God's plan and purposes and design. <clears throat> And this we know, that God will honor our decisions, both good and bad. In Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, because of this, God gave them, gave them over to their shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. Men committed shameful acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their error. So I started out with pretty general statements about sin. And one of the things that was just in my mind's eye is as the culture moves, it has a way, and, and I think this is a, a brilliant scheme. I, I'd like to say the enemy is the devil, is not creative. All the stuff he does is the same old stuff he's been doing for thousands and thousands of years. The temptations are the same. The distortions are the same. There's nothing new in this age that hasn't been happening in the past. And I would like to say with the LGBT community and this and that and the other thing and the acceptance of non-other-than-godly roles in relationships and families and things of that nature that this is all new, but I can read in the Bible other accounts of other cultures and societies that were godly cultures that were doing the same things we're doing today. The difference is we have the internet, maybe, you know, or it goes a little more global because there's a bigger population, but it's the same stuff. So don't be blown away. I, I catch myself sometimes. These times, this age, these times, it's trash. It's not even true. It's just the same old times that have been happening since creation, since the fall. Since the fall. And to now. And the Bible tells us that this is the way it's going to go anyway. And this is the way it's going to lead all the way till Jesus returns. So where are we going to be in that? So it's Pride Month. And I have to go back immediately, all the time, to Ephesians 6.4, my wife will tell you. That's one of her big challenges being married to me. Sorry, baby. Because <laughs> I do make it hard on her sometimes because I'll start stirring and I start clenching my fist and getting angry. And then I start forgetting where my enemy is. And I start forgetting what my weapon is. And it's not a scary black rifle. It's a beautiful book full of the words of God. That's not a black rifle. It's on my knees in prayer. And I say that, and I'm like, man, wretched man am I. Lord, help me, help us. If you're with me in this, then thank God I'm not alone. I don't think I am. And I just want to remind, again, us, 
sometimes. I heard this one thing saying, don't let your church be infected with what you're infected with. Sorry, guys, in this moment, I'm going to have to tell you that this church is infected with what's infected in me because that's what God, God has on my heart right now. And maybe that's something I'm wrestling with, and maybe we can talk afterwards if you're not. If you're not, then God bless you. <clears throat> but we have to be men that stand firm in the truth. And that's where it comes down here. That's where this full circling thing comes down to. <clears throat> we can't point, because uh, an argument that always comes out of that, and again, I started, at, I want to go back, I started with kind of general sin. Now I'm specifically talking about homosexuality and 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 becoming a woman instead of a man and a man instead of a woman and letting go of the design and purposes that God has set before us in our gender roles. I know that's a little more specific, but that's just for today. That's not the only sin there is in the world. That's for sure. Um, because another reminder is that one thing that will get said is, I was born this way out of the LGBT community. So I was born this way. I didn't have a choice. But the response to that is very simple is, we were all born this way to some degree or another, whether it's pride or hate or violence or proclivity for drunkenness. There are people that can have a beer here and there and they're fine. There are others that have genetic studies that have shown that if they have a couple beers, they go on a bender for weeks. Or if they have a beer, they turn into alcoholics that destroy their lives. There's people that have a desire to try drugs and then turn into, have horrible, horrible, disastrous results on their lives and others that have smoked a joint and walked away from it. You know, the destructive power of sin is in the world, and because of our natural bodies coming out of the world, the ember's in there, but we still have to deal with the sin that we were born with. So nobody can say, I was born this way, so you have to respect where I'm at. Everybody was born that way, in a different area or not. Everybody was. Because we're not held accountable to that, we're held accountable to our choices to follow God or not. And God is so graceful that most of the time we're probably going to choose not to follow God, yet he's going to convict and correct and redeem. Wow. We can talk about, again, the unfairness of God, right? That is totally unfair. We should have been annihilated immediately. We should have went from death to death to hell because we deserved it because we were born like that. Yet God made a way. Yet God brought us from death to life. Yet God gave us the opportunity to respond or not. And respects either one of those choices. Man, what a good God we serve. And if we keep that in our mind, and I think that's really, I, uh, I'm starting to come together now. Isn't it amazing sometimes I start to come together while you're preaching? Okay, Lord, thank you for that moment right back there. Where I say, how do I earn this? How do I earn this? And the response from God is, you can't, you won't, you never will. Because you were born like that. <laughs> but you can receive death to life. And you can walk it out. Exampling the love of Christ into a lost and dying world. And to the people that he loves. So that they can come from death to life too so that they can ask those questions. <clears throat> Men stand fast in your masculinity 
as you were called to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Micah, chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. In 1 Corinthians, chapter 16, verses 13 through 14. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. I'm going to back up right there because these are all the things as men we like to hear, right? Be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. And that could all go sideways outside of do everything in love, right? He ends right there. Do everything in love. We're called to be vigilant. Watch out for the schemes of the enemy. Just watch out for the schemes of the devil. Watch out for lies. Get into our Bible so that we can recognize when there's distortions of the truth. Get before God so that he can give us wisdom and discernment and knowledge and we can use those things to be vigilant against what the enemy's doing to try and encroach upon our families and our friends and our peers and our neighborhoods. Be faithful to the truth. And be brave in the face of opposition. Brave in the face of opposition. What does that look like? There are going to be times when people come against Christianity in your life, in the future. Probably not physically, but maybe. But more importantly, right now for us is being brave when we have to speak the truth in the midst of an audience that you know is going to turn against that truth. That you know has already embraced the lies of the enemy. And you have to speak these things out of love and be brave in the face of that opposition. We have to be persistent through trials. I put a tag on there for pressing on, which Rob talked about last week, which is a great, great word. We have to be persistent in the truth when trials come against us. We have to be persistent as we're being bombarded by the culture to accept something that we know is unbiblical, something that leads people to death. And we have to be persistent in those trials in our lives when those attacks come. And above all, we have to be loving. I told you, babe, I was going to keep this one a little short. <laughs> when it comes down to going, what does a godly man look like? How should I be responding to the world around me? How should I react when the culture says, do all these unbiblical, ungodly things? And my great example is Jesus Christ, the Son of Man. He loved his enemies. He obeyed the will of God above his own. He loved the word. He responded to the lies of the enemy with the word of God. He sacrificed himself. He became a man that was not a big, hard, strong warrior, though I don't envision him as weak or soft in any way. That actually, that envision angers me. (laughs) He was a warrior for sure, but he came as a servant. He came with humbleness and humility 
and he was the word become flesh. I can't imagine the sacrifice. This is just Travis's ideas in his head for a moment here. So indulge me just for a moment. Of the word with God, knowing this has to happen, and letting go of his glory. I don't know what that looks like. A spiritual being there with the creator, but is the creator through whom and for whom all things were created? Gives that up even for 33 or so years, to become part of the creation. There was a song that said the creator of everything, the creator of food, came down, was a man, and was hungry. How is that okay? The sacrifice started right away, right? God of all creation spoke everything into being, formless and eternal, beyond time and space, And now he's a crying baby being spanked on the butt, having to get his lungs to have that first breath and deal with all that. And then everything through growing up and all the pain and the trash. Why? So that we could relate, so we could have an example, so he could speak to us personally, so he could go to the cross and do the worst that possibly could happen. And again, I go back to, God turning his back on all of sin embodied on that cross for that moment being the most torturous event that could ever, ever be devised by anything. Far more so than the the physical pain of the cross itself. And that's what had to take place. And who did it? God of all creation. The word become flesh. Wow. That's my example. That should be our example too. If you're ever wondering, what do I do? How do I respond to this? Again, go back to the example of Christ. And that's a great example to follow. But it's also a heavy, heavy accountability that comes along with it. And I'm not saying in condemnation, walk away saying, I failed you. Again, I go back to just a few moments ago. I'm so unworthy, wretched state of my soul. We can recognize the wretched state of my soul, but we can't get stuck there. The devil would love nothing more for us to stop right there and end the story. Um, What did Chris say way back when? The devil wants you to either not read the Bible. If you're going to read it, don't believe it. If you're going to believe it, don't spread it. Well, we want to do the opposite of whatever the devil wants, right? We want to read that word. We want to believe it. We want it to saturate our souls. We want to eat the bread of life. That that bread of life, that word, becomes what we're made of. So we have no other option but to exude the living word. To respond in a righteous, spirit-led way to the schemes of the enemy outside. And to walk in what God has for us. Again, going back to that masculinity. That is one of many things that God has blessed and ordained. He made them man and woman. And the world is going to do what? It's going to come about. Did he make a man and woman? Why can't we mix them? Why can't we choose? Why will we know better? Why did Adam, Adam, why did Adam bite the apple? Because he wanted to know good and evil instead of having God decide what was good and evil. There's the original sin, right? We say, what is, what is all sin? It all kind of boils down to rebellion against God. A desire to say, because God said, this is good, this is bad, this is good, 
and we were in the garden and totally in perfect communion and alignment with God. But there was that moment where the devil said, did, did the devil really say that? Or did God really say that? Ah, oh, surely you won't die. You'll be all right. And of course he targeted, what? Again, the reversal of the roles. The man failed to lead his family and he knew the word. The woman was designed to be his helpful and walk not under his subjugation, but walk under the covering of his leadership, which he was designed for. That he could walk in that responsibility, the authority, and the accountability that comes along with it. Yet he chose to allow that to happen. Yet he reversed the, allowed those rever roles to be reversed. And then he chose to reject God saying, this is what's good and what's bad, and chose to bite the apple so that he could know good and evil. So he could choose good and evil. So he could choose whether I'm a man or a woman. So he could choose what roles I walk in instead of relying on what God had put, created him for. And yet we still have a good and honorable God who will honor our decisions and probably breaks his heart to watch us walk in the catastrophe that comes along with that. And yet we serve a God who's good and merciful and created a way that even in the midst of our rebellion, because we went from death to life by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can come back and be reconciled. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Man. So on a good note, the work is done. I know this has been kind of like, watch out, be careful. You know, the world's coming at you and all that stuff. I don't want to end on that. I want to end on this. The work of the cross is done. And Jesus loves you. He loves me. He loves us. He loves people. Our enemies are not people. Our enemies are the princes and principalities of the air. And our, we have spiritual warfare weapons that are powerful. What are they? The first and foremost one is there is power in the name of Jesus. So as we see things on TV, as we see protests going on, as we see these things going on, I would encourage you and us as a people to get together in prayer and petition on behalf of the people that are lost in that and being led into death. We love you, Lord. So let's just stand and pray together. I think we'll close out right there. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the miracle that took miracle that took place on the cross. Thank you for bringing us from death to life. Thank you, Lord, that we are new creations, that we are in the world, but not of the world. That the devil no longer knows my name. That I no longer know the devil's voice. Thank you, Jesus, that you know my name. Help us, Lord, to always have ears for you that we can hear your voice and be responsive and receptive and, and, and walk in what you've given us. Lord, we recognize that we cannot earn this life. But we receive the blood of the cross. We receive salvation by faith. That you took it all. Help us, Lord, to have the courage and the vigilance and the bravery to walk it out and to stand firm in the truth. We love you. We love you. We praise your name. Thank you for all these men of God. Thank you for the young men. Protect their masculinity. Help them walk it out as manly God, men of God. 
that can stand firm, that can be brave, can be bold, that can proclaim the victorious name of Jesus over any situation and circumstance, yet do it all from a place of love. Lord, bless all fathers, husbands, warrior men, large male elephants. We thank you, Lord, for the plans you've placed before us. We thank you, Lord, for your design. And we receive it, Lord. We receive you in all these things. Again, there is power in the name of Jesus, and we will lift that name up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being here. We just love being with you guys. And, um,